You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. I am at Williamson NFL. I am at ClaytonFootball.com. And I am with a good friend of Mr. The Professor John Clayton, Mike Sando, as we are every Thursday. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. You know, when John left the Tacoma News Tribune, he was a beat reporter covering the Seahawks. He he went to go to ESPN. Yeah. The News Tribune could not find a qualified replacement, so they hired me. They hired Mike Sando. And I had been covering college football and really wasn't aware of what a legend John was. Cause I was in my little college world. The Internet was barely going. What year and, are we talking, uh, give or take? We're talking 98. Okay. Okay, so 1998. So I showed up having never covered the NFL before. And, hey, by the way, you're, you're replacing John Clayton, who you want to talk about owning the beat? I mean, John knew the stories like before the people in the building knew the stories. It was He was unbelievable. Wow. So that's how far back John and I go. And he was a great mentor to me uh, at the time and made my transition into his role easy when he could have made it hard. You know, if he was a selfish guy or didn't want to see somebody succeed, the opposite, man. He was he was great to me. And we've we've probably spoken. I'm going to say this. We've averaged more conversations per day than there are days since that date. Wow. Uh, I would say I would say that if there's 365 days in a year, we probably talk more than that. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I knew you guys were really were very good friends in the same area of the country, and I didn't know the backstory before now, but he was in your wedding, right? I mean, like, you guys are real tight. Well, well, he well, it's funny. I had a small wedding, and there was only a, a best man. You know, there's one one on each side, right? Yeah. So yeah. John was there. John was there at the wedding, and uh, small invite yeah, list. It was, fun. <laughs> it was a small invite list. <laughs> yeah, but John, but John was there, and uh, yeah, there's actually a funny story behind that. But uh, maybe for another day. Yeah, for another day. Yeah. <laughs> another venue. Um, yep. Tonight's game, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have a lot of other good topics around the league. Yep. Um, Edelman returns. Looks like Gronk's going to play. Um, Gordon still fighting issues. Only played like 15, 16 snaps, something like that this past week. A lot of injuries on the Colts side. And, oh, by the way, you got a short week. you got to go to Foxborough. Thanks so much for playing. Um, I don't think this is a very competitive game. And then I saw a stat just now, too. Edelman's last 25 games, and I don't know what we're going to see out of him, but they're 23-2. and two. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You, you know, I had done some work before. Um, you used to, we used to do this thing where it was like, hey, what were Brady's numbers with Gronk on and off the field? You know, it was way better when Gronk was on the field, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, um, then I sort of figured out that it was kind of like, if for the most part, if he had either Edelman or Gronk, he was going to be fine. And I don't know that that was always true. I'd have to look back. Last year, they lost a game at Miami when they didn't have Gronk, and I think they had Edelman. So it may not be 100%, but I think it's a huge thing, obviously, for Brady to have one of those guys. And if you have both, which it looks like Gronk's going to play tonight, too, that's the report I saw, um, they should be in really good shape. And the the Colts are kind of a plucky team. I think they've they've played well for what they've got. Um, Arguably should have another win or so, but um, very difficult matchup. Very difficult matchup. And last thing I just want to touch on it is, I mean, I think the Colts, their defense actually reminds me of the Manning Colts. A lot of base zone coverages, fast, get to the ball, young, don't allow the big play over the top. 
and it's a work in progress. I mean, it's just, it's going to be this, this time next year, it'll look much different in terms of personnel, but it's funny how things change, especially in New England so rapidly. I mean, it was just like one Thursday ago or two Thursdays ago, we were talking about, well, you know, the weapons for Brady are kind of letting them down. There's nobody there. But now you look at it and think, he's going to have Michelle or White, and Michelle looks like a workhorse type for them, and that their roles are very defined in a Patriot-like manner. Gronk, Edelman out of the slot, and now Hogan goes outside where he belongs, and Josh Gordon. Like, that ain't so bad. Right. And they usually <laughs> can figure it out. We'll see how long, you know, Gordon's going to be for this. Um, you mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised at all if, if, you know, are we really penciling him in or penning him in, putting it in ink that he's going to be there all year? But no, he's there now. And I think that, you know, what they showed last week was we're not dead yet. You know, we, they usually do figure this thing out. And I do think they have some issues. It's a challenge. It's not just a well-oiled machine the whole way, but. Uh, that was, you know, a statement when you win by 31 points when everyone's wondering if, you know, you might struggle even against Miami at all. Yeah, I think they win by two touchdowns or more tonight. Um, I want to tell everyone about Swap.com. This is a new sponsor. I've only told you about them once. It's a really cool thing that they got going. And to be frank, I can't believe it's taken this long for someone to master it like Frank, like Swap has. It, it's it's insane how much we pay for new brand name clothes. And anyone that has kids that are growing as fast as mine, and I'm sure as fast as Mike's, or as tall as he is, and the pictures I've seen of his kids, we go through clothes at an insane rate. So why do we buy kids clothes if they just outgrow them in a few months and it seems like it's a few days? Would it be great if there's a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? And there is. It's called Swap.com. It's the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Stop driving to the store after store, sifting through racks. It's very easily sift through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com and easily use filters to find exactly what you need, all the sizes, all the styles, all those good things. There's 15 million tones of textiles are wasted every year. Shopping secondhand at Swap.com helps prevent textile waste from polluting the environment, which is something you can feel good about as well. So... If, if something doesn't fit, enjoy the hassle-free returns within 30 days, too. That's great. There's all sorts of names like Carter's, Nike's, J. Crew, Gap, and many, many more. Um, everything is hand-inspected and added to daily high-quality items. So what you do is you go to swap.com, and you're going to get 35% off your first order with our promo code Locked On, all one word, all caps, and there's always new deals at Swap.com left and right. So use our promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, all one word. All right, Mike, let's get down to business. And you wrote a great article. I love talking about your articles, your weekly articles on ESPN.com. And this one was early in the week, and it was your contender angst index. And, <laughs> you know, the top teams, you know, how worried should these teams be, you, you know, and then you got guys like high angst, you know, the Vikings and the Chargers. Chargers, yes. Yeah. The Falcons, the Texans. And along those lines, let's just highlight a couple games upcoming. You talk yeah. about angst. How about Atlanta coming here to Pittsburgh? I mean, that's angst for both teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, Atlanta has been really good offensively, you know, and that stat about, you know, they're the first team since the merger to score more than 35 points in back-to-back games and lose them, you know, well, it's crazy. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people all over. Yeah, you, but a lot of people would love to have that problem of we just scored over 35 <laughs> points in, in two weeks in a row because it sure beats losing 20-3, to three, right? Right. I mean, they've got a lot good of point. good things going on offensively. The red zone has been solved, you know? I mean, that was always the big thing that was gonna that people were really vilifying Steve Sarkeesian for. Mm-hmm. They've been great. They just are basically – they are basically what the Saints were now when their defense, and we'll see if their defense improves. But you know how the Saints have been with Breeze the last five or six years. He keeps them in all the games, and they go 7-9 and nine at worst. But their defense can be as the worst in the league, and we'll see. I just don't think Atlanta's defense has the ability to really come together because of the personnel losses they had. So, And we know the Pittsburgh defense is diminished. You and I were talking about Pittsburgh before we even started recording about how especially compared to Baltimore, they just didn't look sharp offensively and they don't have as good of a defense. So um, this is, this, there should be a lot of points scored in this game. Yeah. And, you know, to me, Matt Ryan's playing back to playing at an MVP type level. Uh, Ridley was my offensive rookie of the year through the first quarter mark of the season and has been a very, very pleasant surprise. They get Dante Freeman back, Devonte Freeman back. And no one seems to be talking about that Julio Jones is on pace to catch, you know, for 2,000 receiving yards. I mean, because... And like one touchdown, right? And one touchdown. Right. right. (laughs) Because the fantasy world, everyone's mad at Julio because he's not scoring touchdowns. But he he goes for like 125 every game. And I feel bad for the Falcons because I think their problems are injury related. You know, I mean, it's a cover three Seattle scheme that's much more of an execution-based defense than a scheme-you-up type defense. And if your players, you know, if the, if the Seahawks didn't have Chancellor and Wagner and Earl, they wouldn't be as good back in the day. And I think that's where Atlanta is right now. And now Grady Jarrett's banged up. The Steelers, I don't feel bad for. They don't have any excuses. No, I agree. And you're right on that, Ryan. So 10 touchdown passes and two interceptions. The best he's ever had through four games is 11 and two. He did it. He did it in 2016 when he won the MVP. So you're right on there in terms of where he's at. And he did it in 2012. So definitely one of his better starts. His yards per attempt is over nine. I mean, that is really, really high. Uh, It was by the way, 10 and a half uh, during his MVP season at this point, but you're right. He is having a really good year and it's sad a little bit. If you're a Falcons fan, it looks to me like it's going to be wasted because yeah, I, don't right. think def- I don't think defensively they're going to be able to hold up. And this was really the lesson of how, you know, you can't lose the Super Bowl when you're up 28 to three because you don't know if you'll get back for Seattle. You know, you, you they got there the one year one and then, you know, they they'll never win another one with that group, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> even though it looked like they're going to be a great team. So you really have to take advantage of those opportunities when you have them. Aaron Rodgers can tell you that he's got one. It's been a little bit now since Ben's won one. Um, Very difficult um, to do, and I think you have to have health on your side to make it. And when Atlanta got to the Super Bowl in 2016, they were an unusually healthy team. I think the whole offensive line played together the whole year. So they're probably on the wrong side. They probably had more key players injured this year um, than most teams, and that's going to hold them back. uh, To me, it's what we can see it now. They're not going to get that far. Yeah, and and again, I feel bad for them because the offense is really, really clicking. And it's funny because I get asked this a lot here in Pittsburgh. Why hasn't Ben and Tomlin won more Super Bowls? And I'm like, well, it's hard, first of all. And it's harder than you think. That You look at Matt Ryan. I, I think Matt Ryan's playing better than Roethlisberger for the last three, four, five years. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Drew Brees. 
You know, those two have had better careers than Ben, and they each have one Super Bowl. I mean, if you're not named Brady, there's not many Super Bowls to go around the last dozen years or so. No, to- totally agree. It is, it's exceptionally hard to do. The league's set up to make it hard to do, and to actually get to, to have a Super Bowl caliber team is one thing, to, to actually win the that game. I mean, there's too many things that have to go your way, and it's a one-time thing. We don't play best of seven, like in the NBA. Thankfully, guys, we'd be pretty sore. But, <laughs> right. but you know what I mean. We'd in be busy, though. In basketball, it's it's really hard for the – it's much easier for the best team to win. And right. It is a really great team to win. And in the you know in this type of a tournament, heck, you got you got one game. It might be on the road based on how things fell. You, you can't control that the other team had a better record. All those things I think is very difficult. And what it's what makes the league so fun. I mean, we can't predict this. You know, you, you can be somewhat right, but um, – you just don't. You don't even know who's. You don't know who's going to win on a one-game basis. Back to the angst situation for the Steelers and Falcons. I've been asked a hundred times this week: Is this a must-win for both teams? Is this a loser-leave-town match? And what I my thoughts are kinda. I mean, I never like saying that this early in the year. It's October fourth, but I think it would hurt the Falcons more than the Steelers if they lose because their division, but especially because of their conference. Yeah, although I would say the Steelers division looks pretty good. The, so, like last night, I was rewatching the uh, bang, you know the uh, the Ravens Steelers game because uh, that's just the sort of type of thing I do. That's how exciting my life is. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to rewatch the Sunday night game <laughs> on a Wednesday night at like ten eleven p.m. Sure, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm watching the game and I'm just thinking, huh, this team does not look as precise. And I was thinking, well, really, I. I might like Baltimore and Cincinnati better than I like Pittsburgh, even in that division to win that division. I mean, I, I, I don't know. We sort of just think yep. that the Steelers, Steelers will get it figured out, but I think the Ravens look like they have it figured out. <laughs> they they look good. And, and so I don't know who's hurt more. I mean, I, I think that both teams are in a grave situation in very difficult divisions. Yeah. I think they're the two hardest divisions in the league. And, I kept saying all offseason, yes, I'm going to pick the Steelers to win the North, but all three of those other teams took a much bigger step forward in the offseason than Pittsburgh did, and they've closed the gap. I didn't expect it to be to this degree, but I can make the argument that the Steelers are playing the fourth best in the division. I mean, they tied the Browns. The Browns nearly beat the Saints. They probably should have beat the Raiders this past week. And that Steelers-Ravens game you just saw, the Ravens should have won it by more points. I mean, they dominated it. Yep. Yep, and it, when I watch the game, it looks like, well, here's the Steelers. They just are throwing the ball down the field, trying to make the occasional chunk play to flip the field, whereas yep. the Ravens looked like they had a real offense and were completing passes, and they were precise. Flacco looked like he got the message that they drafted you know, Lamar Jackson uh, and that his days could be numbered. Like John Harbaugh had to know, hey, you know, you're going to have a new GM here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the clock was ticking for him, too. So they look like a team that, understands at the quarterback and head coach positions that they don't have lifetime contracts anymore or, you know, that they have to win. So for Pittsburgh, back to them, what is really interesting to me is they they're do lifetime own, contracts. Yeah, they're 0-2 <laughs> at home. It's amazing. So here's their remaining home games. Falcons, Browns, Panthers, Chargers, Patriots, Bengals. I mean, so that's... Yeah. Maybe two and six you could at home. E- you, could, you could easily see them going three and five to two and six at home. It's not a stretch at all. That never happens um, with those teams coming in. And that just never happens. And if that does happen, 
are you really going to be good enough to win on the road? Which, by the way, on the road so far, you've barely held off the Bucks and you've you know lost a shootout, or yeah, tied a sh- tied not a shootout tied to the uh, to the Browns. So they've got to get going. I think this is a big, really big game for them at home uh, for the rest of their season because they're going to Cincy the next week. I say they go to Cincy. They still have to go to Baltimore. They have to go to Jacksonville. They have to go to <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> you know, like, uh, no, it, I think they go to Denver. I don't think they have, they don't have New Orleans, do they? Yeah, they play the South this year. Oh, they do. You're right. Week 16, they're at the Saints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they have so at fun. Jaguars too. Oh my goodness, it could be bad. I keep telling people this might be a six or seven win team this year, and people are like, "Oh no, they're the Steelers. They'll be." Yeah, you know, they always win double digits. I'm like, "Look, where are the wins going to come from coming forward? It's going to be tough." I'll take the under on 10 all day. Yes, all day. <laughs> <laughs> the easy part's done to the schedule. Um, back, to the, <laughs> back to the Ravens real quick. I look at the Bears and the Jags and think those are the true defenses in this league. I mean, in a league that doesn't have defense anymore, those two kind of stand alone at the top. But maybe the Ravens are third, and you always, always, always know that they're going to dominate the kicking game. And... I've never seen a kicker that's more fun to watch than Justin Tucker. Yep. Yep. No, they've been very good in those areas. And the difference this year is I think their, their offense has caught up, you know, mm-hmm. so we have them in our sort of advanced metrics right now, the Ravens, we've got them number nine on offense. We've got them number three on defense and we've got them number 10 on special teams, which will probably increase. We'll probably go up. You They're know, always the top the year. three or four. They'll come up. So, um, you know, that the special teams has always been a, a sort of a hidden edge for them and even for New England. I mean, those yes. are two teams that are usually really good in them. And then, you know, at the other extreme is a team like the Chargers. You wonder, well, God, why doesn't Philip Rivers win more? And you, those those little advantages, those little margins that we don't necessarily talk about every week really do uh, make a difference in some of the games. So, uh, yes, Baltimore is a fairly complete team. I know Jamison Hensley on ESPN.com today had a piece saying, hey, wait a minute, don't anoint the Rams. The, uh, you know, the Ravens may have claimed to the best team in the league and whether or not we agree with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the fact, just the fact that we're keeping, people are keeping a straight face and making a good case for that is really encouraging for Baltimore. Two teams that absolutely were in the conversation as best in the league and one end up winning the Super Bowl is Vikings and Eagles. In terms of angst, how worried are you about these teams? I mean, I look at the Vikes and say, boy, they could really use Dalvin Cook. Their offensive line scares the heck out of me. Why aren't they amongst the top five defenses? And the Eagles, I got to say, I probably have less concerns about, but their secondary is a problem. Yes, no doubt about it. I think the Eagles were going to have somewhat of a hangover, and we knew it would take a while for Wentz probably to come back and reach form. And they, they kind of need to... You know, just sort of get healthier. Um, mm-hmm. I think the loss of Rodney McLeod's a big deal to them, um, big deal for their secondary. So, it they're not they were not a to, to me they were not a team that we were just anointing that was going to win fourteen games or twelve games. I think it was going to be a little bit of a challenge. Great for them, they won the Super Bowl. They're still a good team. Let's check back on them in in like a month. I think that will tell us whether this is what they are or if they're going to really take a jump. I think it's a little early to say. The issues with Minnesota, I think, are ones we anticipated to some degree before the year. Offensive line, you know, obviously the tragic passing of Tony Sperano. Um, I also, though, realize it's a long season and they, you know, they lost 
by seven points in a shootout at the Rams. Well, the Rams are really good. So, Rams are really good. You know, nice. they, they had the tie game against Aaron Rodgers, at, I believe it was at Lambeau Field. So, to me, the one big, you know, red flag is losing bad at home to Buffalo. What does that mean? Is that just the week-to-week stuff, uh, weird stuff happens in the NFL? That's what makes it sort of concerning. Had they won that game, they're 2-1-1, you'd be saying, ah, they have some issues, but they've lost Aaron Rodgers and and the, maybe the best offense or second-best offense in the league of um, the Rams. What scares me is Kirk Cousins is on pace to have 40 touchdown passes, eight interceptions. He's on pace to throw 756 passes. He's on pace for 5,500 yards. He's got a passer rating of 103.6, and they're still 1-2-1. One, and one. <laughs> right, right. There's no Kinda way. Like Matt Ryan, yeah. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is, it would be surprising if he were able to have those numbers over the whole year. Um, and the fact that he does, and they're not, um, you know, they don't, haven't had as much to show for it is a little concerning. I just think they're still a, probably a pretty good team, and you have to look at who they played. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the defense shocks me, though. i got to say that. Um, the Eagles, they I thought they were going to beat the, the Titans pretty badly last week, but they didn't. And I think those two teams have some similarities in that, to a lesser degree with the Tennessee, but I think we might look back at both those teams this year when it's all said and done and say, they weathered a really rough September getting through injuries and quarterback problems and I think maybe their best football, especially the Eagles, is very much ahead of them. I thought Wentz looked really, really good against the Titans. Um, I, the Vikings I feel less confident about, though. Yep, I do too. And I think it's a tough game for the Vikings to go on the road. Uh, it'd be a great one. That it, it's definitely winnable, though. And I think if the mm-hmm. Vikings go into Philly and win the game, you know, it's a sigh of relief. And I think we feel like, okay. Um, and that's just that's the nature of covering this league is you – you get games that can be very volatile and we're analyzing after one game or after three games, after four games, Hey, is Baker Mayfield going to be the next great young quarterback? Well, he's played five minutes. You know, <laughs> right, we, we, we don't really know. So, um, I think there's still good talent on the Vikings and if they lose this game and it's not competitive and that, you know, it's 28 to six and they never rally back, then that's two games they've had like that. Might you know, not be there yet. Uh, and I get concerned. If they go and lose, you know, 20 to 17 in a hard fought game and acquit themselves decently, I mean, well, that's what happens when you go play Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the Eagles are a good team that won 18 to 12 against a healthy Falcons team in week one. So, um, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to win every time you go into Philadelphia. If I were to put a chip down, I would still pick the Eagles to win the East. I don't think I'd pick the Vikings to win the North. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the Vikings just have more competition. We don't really know uh, what the Packers are going to be because we don't know is Rodgers going to be able to stay healthy. Hey, is that run game really going to become something? What's going to what form is the defense going to take? I think there's just a lot of question marks with with uh, Green Bay, and then I still want to see more in Chicago. I mean, I was yeah. sort of. I'm probably was I was probably being a jerk here, Matt. But like we were asked in our roundtable this week, are the are the Bears legitimate contenders? And then it like said for a playoff spot. To me, that was like that's not a difference, contend- right? Right. right. You know, and so the I was Bills like, went to the playoffs I, last year. Yeah, I was the only one who said I'm selling that, and I said, you know, I do think they can make the playoffs, but let's just relax a little bit. Let's see 
Mitch Trubisky over the course of a full season. I think a lot of teams would have put up a lot of points against the Bucks, how mm. they played in their secondary. I think, you know, everyone was probably, oh, Chris County's out. Well, we're tired of seeing that guy. Well, he's the whole communication system for the defense. Yeah. And they ended up, I believe, his replacement, uh, one of the other safeties, was inactive for the game. So they're playing with basically a special team safety in the game with all kinds of issues on the back end against a team that does a lot of different stuff. So awesome win for the Chicago Bears. I mean, there's no taking away, but let's just see how the young quarterback plays over the course of the year. I think there's enough question marks there, too. Uh, but there's enough with the Vikings where I'm not saying they're the favorite. And that's sort of it was your original Right, you know, your original right, right. point. I just, you know, the the Bears are going to go at Miami, home New England. Let's talk after those games. Yeah, and quick note on the Bears is I think if you give a Nagy, a McVay, I mean these advanced minds, predictable zone coverages, snap after snap, and prepare a week for that with the weapon Chicago has now, it's just too easy in today's league. You know, like th- th- that game told me more about how, where the Bucks are than the Bears, and it was a great win. But I do think Chicago could follow the 2017 Jaguars mold and win games that way. Yeah, yep, I think you're right. I think we're seeing the impact, obviously, of the Mac trade. I think they have they have a decent defense there anyway. I think their defense was decent last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yep, you can see a manner in which they can win the game. And then the ultimate upside is just, Hey, does Trubisky give you more than that? You know, <laughs> down the road, are you, Maybe, right? are you sort of, yeah. And I don't think we know that yet, but when you throw six touchdowns with no interceptions, I don't care if it is the bucks struggling secondary. Um, that's pretty good. Pretty know, I don't good. know how many, I don't know how many quarterbacks there's not very many. I think I was looking up. Maybe Tommy Kramer had one of those games. You're not going to find a list of a bunch of horrible quarterbacks who've done what he did. <laughs> no, you're hundred percent right. And, and some of them were easy throws, some of them were tough throws, but he did them, and it was a big step forward in his development without question. Speaking of the Jags, this is the last game teams I want to talk about. Is this the most interesting game of the season so far? I mean, Jacksonville going to Kansas City. I mentioned they are one of the two elite defenses. The offense is better than you think. You know, like, they have weapons, they have a line. I'm always rough on Bortles, but he hasn't played terribly, that's for sure. They seem to be better without Fournette. And the Chiefs speak for themselves. I mean, everyone saw them. Everyone's been watching these guys, and their defense is abysmal. It's a great matchup, yeah. And because I think that much like the Bears really went all over the Bucks' defense, I mean, the Bucks have a decent front seven. Yeah. So their issues are secondary, scheme, whatever. Um, I. I don't know that I feel that Kansas City has those things. Now, they are playing at Arrowhead, so it's going to be loud, and the crowd's going to be part of it. And if you know, if Mahomes goes out there and gets some uh, early lead, I mean, it could be a tough game for, uh, for the Jaguar offense. But I, I think that the Jaguars are a hard-nosed physical team, and they want more. Their offense you know, is going to be, t- it's going to be a hard-nosed offense. And I, when I watch the Chiefs, I see a team that, Looks like they have a great offensive culture and don't have a great defensive culture. I don't see the same amount of just reckless abandon, the hustle, the finishing plays, you know, the really chasing guys down, everybody going to the ball. To me, that is missing from this Kansas City defense. It's a little disappointing when you have that much invested in Justin Houston. Um, Do you feel like you're getting that type of top Khalil Mack, top five player? in the defensive world, um, performance, you know, leadership, setting the tone. 
Um, I haven't seen it watching them this year, so I think it's a great opportunity for Jacksonville. I think there will be opportunities for them to score points. We've seen them, you know, in the playoffs. I believe last year they had that shootout with Pittsburgh. Now, for the most part, since the start of last year, they're two. I think they're two and eight when the other team scores more than twenty. So it's not like they've been a great hmm. shootout team, but they've had a game here or there where they were able to do it. And I think against this type of defense in Kansas City. There are opportunities for them to score some points. It could be a really good game. I would say their offense has a greater advantage against the Chiefs' defense than the Chiefs' offense does against the Jaguars' defense. I think that's a more even matchup, don't you? Yes, I do. I mean, I, I think the – yeah, for sure. Because I think the Chiefs' D is maybe 32nd or 30th or so in the league. I mean, we talk about Tampa. That's pretty bad. And the Steelers and some other bad ones, the Raiders. There's a lot of bad ones. <laughs> but – I think the Jags' offense is kind of middle of the road, where the other side is Ollie Frazier. I mean, it's one versus one or <laughs> one versus two, you know. However, yep. I'm not sure. I, I got to think about this before tomorrow's podcast when I actually pick games, and I'm actually writing this game up for Clayton Football. Uh, that'll be what I'm doing tonight. So I'm really going to dig into it more. But the more I sit here and think about it, I think, do I trust Bortles in that environment? I mean, is this going to be? a three-turnover game for him with all the eyes on him in a rough, rough environment, trying to keep up with Mahomes. Because even though the Jags D's great, Casey's going to score. And I also think, remember what Shanahan did to this defense? And just like we said about what the Bears did to predictable coverages in Tampa, and as great as Ramsey and all those guys are, they don't throw a lot at you. And if you know what coverages are coming... In today's NFL, offense wins. And Andy Reid probably isn't that overwhelmed by it. Yeah, and I can, you know, living in the Seattle area and, you know, being around the Seahawks, as I mentioned earlier, used to cover them. I seem to remember that Andy Reid, when the Chiefs played the Pete Carroll Seahawk defenses, I think it, one of them may have been before Seattle really was going on defense, but I think they did pretty well. So, mm-hmm. it, that is an interesting aspect of this. It's Andy Reid against a Seattle-style defense. Um, you could be right. I mean, I think they're. I think their offense is going to do well against just about everybody. But um, maybe they are a little bit better equipped um, than other teams, you know, to play Jacksonville and score some points. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this is true, but Seattle had such success playing the scheme that I think the Andy Reids and the offensive mind have studied it. Years now, you know, I mean, it's it's almost like, hey, the zone blitz isn't new anymore. You know, like you're not catching anyone by off guard. It's an execution based scheme. You better be loaded with players like the Seahawks were and the Jags were. But still, route combinations beat predictable coverages. They do. I think, you know, I think that somewhat is overblown on the idea that, you know, it's just a talent based defense. I think you Mm -hmm. have to be more skilled at disguising certain elements of it um, as your talent isn't as good, but it is a great point because Jacksonville's talent is great. So they just, do they just play their defense? They just say, Hey, we're going to go play our defense and let the chips fall where they may. We feel comfortable. It's a good test mm-hmm. for us. Um, if they do, maybe you're right. Maybe Andy Reid solves that. Yeah. But can the KCD slow anybody down? I'm mean, of course, are you picking, but that's a last question for you. Are you picking both these teams to win their division? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I am. I do think that, I do think that the Chiefs at some point are, will hit a little bit of a wall. You know, So last mm-hmm. year, Alex Smith started the year with 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. And then he had 10-5 and five the rest of the way. Now, I think Mahomes is on a different higher pace because I think with 14 
touchdowns, no interceptions in only four games. I think Alex Smith's 16-0 and was probably seven, eight games. You know, it was more games. He wasn't doing what Mahomes is doing. But I think there is a history of Andy Reid, hey, being t- great out of a bye week, right? Being great when you have time to prepare. And so you're taking the league by storm here a little bit. What will happen over the course of the year is we already saw Sammy Watkins is a little banged up, right? Mm-hmm. Or, right. Um, or hey, uh, you know, Hill has to miss three games down the road or whatever. Just the things that happen in the season. Oh, Kelsey has a hip pointer. You know, those are the types of things that will happen to a team over the course of the year. And then, then defenses will have some time to just say, whoa, whoa, whoa what are they doing here? With this new amazing quarterback, how do we play him? What gives him a little bit more trouble? Um, you know, can we get a lead on him because of their defense? I think that changes a lot for everybody. If you have to just go to a pure drop back pass game, we're not seeing that. That's not what they're doing. <laughs> um, so it will change for them. You're not going to have, you know, this guy's not going to go, what's 14 times four? He's not going to have 64 touchdowns and no interceptions for the season, right? Right. I mean, his love is, as much as we all love Mahomes. There's going to be more tape on him, and we're going to realize he actually is not from Krypton. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah. So, so if the Chargers could actually not be one of the worst special teams units in the history of special teams units, <laughs> right. um, you know, if they can get Bosa back, uh, you know, uh, Corey Legit's coming back, right? Yep, yep. I think this yep. week. So, right? yeah. So, you know, I think if they if they can sort of become what I thought they would be, which is top ten offense. This is Chargers top 10 defense and just 20th on special teams, not 33rd like they've been. <laughs> right, right. You know, but I'm not 100% confident in that happening. I'm almost more confident that after seeing yeah. what's going on with Mahomes, who I thought would be throwing some interceptions, and I thought we would see the play like the left-handed pass, but I thought there'd be some negative in there too. I, I mean, this same, is just yeah. way more than I would have expected. I thought he was going to, th- I thought their defense was going to, you know, get him behind in some games, and he was going to throw his way out of some of the games and have three pick games in some of the others. We just haven't seen that. You know, people have not gotten they, they've been they scored thirty five in the first half, right, against the Forty ers Right. So <laughs> right. I want to see I want to see what happens when when you know can can teams can anybody get up fourteen nothing or seventeen nothing on them, and it just hasn't been able to be done yet. No, you're hundred percent right, and. I picked the Chargers to win the division two years in a row. They always kind of let you down. I mean, the Chiefs coaching staff, I trust way more than the Chargers coaching staff. I do think the Chargers could make noise. I also think the Titans could still win their division too. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing that scares me about the Titans is those injuries they had in week one, and it really took them about one or two games to get both quarterbacks hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to have uh, quarterback stability throughout the course of a season? I don't think we've seen that. Mariota's proven he can do that, and that's my concern for them. Yeah, I do think defensively, I think they're pretty good. I think they're better than people and, think and, defensively. Yeah, in my, uh, you know, every week I do a piece on for E plus on you know just talking to people in the league, coaches and executives on um, you know picking some of the better games um, in the given week, and one of the guys told me, "Hey, that defense in Tennessee has three starting level corners. That's fairly unique in the league." And yeah. In today's day and age, that's a great thing to have. So um, they're pretty good defensively, and you know if they can keep Mariota healthy, which I don't know if they can, um, looks like they're going to be competitive. Yeah, they can rush the passer too. Um, yep, Mike, you're the man. This was fun. Let's do it again next Thursday. We'll do. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely.